0: Welcome you into Korea, a more somber Monday, unfortunately, than I think a lot of us were hoping this day would be. It is the day after the Browns lose to the Tennessee Titans, 43 to 13. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Nick Shook. He's Andrew Gribble. And this is the best podcast available. Thanks for tuning in to us. Gentlemen, uh, just one of those days. And it snowballed, and it snowballed quickly, and there was no recovering yesterday.
1: Yeah, I just don't think any of us expected that, and I think that's it's. I've been telling a lot of people this. It's like it's not like I watched this team in training camp, thinking, seeing that kind of penalties, lack of discipline, all that stuff. We didn't see any of that, and I think that that's what made it most surprising. I think it was surprising to the players. I think it was surprising to the coaches. Definitely surprising to all the fans that were there. I mean, it was just it was it was just a total downer. And I think that the th- the fact is you got blown out in the end, which the score may have been misleading there, but it was also misleading in that you should have been down by more than a touchdown at halftime. I mean, you were just playing terrible football after that first five minutes. So uh, just not good. Fortunately, it's week one but that's that's the if this happens in the middle of the season you don't get the the overreaction this is the the byproduct of of week 1 you got to take your medicine people are going to overreact and that's that's kind of what's going on right now
2: yeah and we've had a unique off season in which we've been you know the headliners usually were the afterthought or the ones that people like to, you know, were the butt of jokes. And this time around, this franchise has been the one that everybody's wanted to talk about. And and there's been a lot of hype surrounding this team. So losing in such fashion and, and yeah, it was the game closer than the final score indicated it was for three quarters. And then it just kind of unraveled in the fourth quarter, Um, you know, losing in this fashion is, is going to make, you know, that medicine that, you know, Andrew said that the Browns are going to have to take, it's just going to make it that much, you know, more difficult. tougher to swallow but the good thing is it's only one game there's 15 games left and uh you know we're we're one week away from the second opportunity to record a w
0: all right let's get right into it Uh, this first part of the podcast we call four downs for obvious reasons uh first down though the question for all of you uh what did we learn from sunday's game what did we learn about this football team after week one dribble we'll start with you
1: Uh, that the first thing I learned is that this, you can add as many playmakers as you want to the team. It doesn't mean that it's just going to work amazingly every time. I, I almost think that the first drive against the Redskins week, one of the preseason, and then this first drive on Sunday against the Titans, it makes it look so easy. And when, when you do get things clicking, it does look easy, but you just can't do that every single drive. And I think that the way that this team has made things look good is, is by, kind of these first down throws after first down throws, we really haven't seen an established run-heavy drive or anything like that. It, it, it's it's kind of been the same recipe. And I, I think that, that, to me, that means this thing's going to take some time offensively before you get to maybe reach that level that you want to reach with this kind of playmakers and this kind of quarterback. And uh, I think that's why you had to lean on your defense a little bit yesterday, and you were for a while, but uh, the, the big plays just weren't there when you needed them most.
2: Yeah, you know, the offense didn't really do the defense any favors in the first half, and I think part of that came from knowing that you have such talented playmakers on your team, and you want to make the most of them, and you want to get Odell in a one-on-one run down the sideline, you want to get Jarvis going, and he didn't really get going until the third quarter. You want to get the other guys going, and Sometimes that affects the way you call plays and the way that you go about operating your offense, and, and there was a pretty quick shift away from the run, trying to establish, you know, big chunk plays very quickly, and uh, and I think it hurt them in in their ability to not only, you know, move the chains, but also maintain an, uh, a possession. I mean, the, the time of possession overall was pretty much even between the two teams once we got to the end of it, but... For a while there, the Browns couldn't really do anything when it came to moving the ball because they were behind the sticks from penalties or they were you know, throwing deep on first and second down. Or in one instance, it was second and one and third and one. They threw deep both times and they just needed a yard. So uh, I think some of the excitement from the offseason and knowing how much potential you have on this roster influenced some of that to you know, a detrimental effect on Sunday. What else did you learn from Sunday's game? Uh, the importance of offensive line depth and how ready you have to be to be able to replace somebody uh, in in a, a pinch. Uh, you know, Greg Robinson getting ejected for something that was probably more overblown than, you know, by the officials and by slow-mo replays than what actually happened, I think, is one part of it. Um, you know, when he left, you obviously had to shift, you know, move Kendall Lamb into left tackle, and then he gets hurt, and then you have to move Chris Hubbard over to left tackle, and you're playing Justin McCray at right tackle who is – Usually a guard, mostly a guard in his career, has some experience playing tackle, but is more comfortable at guard. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, it, it just illustrated how important it is to have reliable guys as backups. And that's what John Dorsey, you know, spent the, the cut down weekend doing, it was trying to acquire those guys. And, and, you know, unfortunately, had to put one of them in uh, in the first week of the season. And, and we saw how it affected the offensive rhythm because as you're trying to erase a deficit that wasn't huge, and you want to take those shots down the field, and you don't have that time to throw, it just makes for an ugly offensive day. And Baker Mayfield was running for his life on more than a few occasions. And, you know, overall, I mean, we saw the result. You know, it was 13 points and a 30-point loss.
1: I I will say this. I don't think they lost because of the makeshift offensive line they had to have. I thought, all things considered, it could have been much more of a disaster. They lost because of penalties. Like, and that was just it. I mean, you might have had more penalties because of your makeshift offensive line. But I, I don't think that I, – I cannot put – I put the offensive line issues in my, like, top five. I'm not putting it in my top three. I think just because I think those guys, considering the circumstances, I'll, I'll give them a little bit of credit that they held their own in a really terrible situation. For 40, 46 plays, they had to go with that lineup, knowing they had no more backups yep. and two guys playing out of position. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. Definitely threw things off. It made things kind of a mess for you. But had you not committed 18 penalties – you might have been able to weather the storm oh, yeah. a little bit.
0: Yeah. Not only that, but you're maxed out on offensive linemen. Najoku at some points getting evaluated for what we thought maybe was a concussion because he took some kind of hard hit. He's in the tent now. You're like, well, now we're down to two tight ends. Well, so Harris, you know, is, Harris out too. is out yeah, too. Yeah, Harris is out. And, and then you're going, oh, we we I don't know who's going to play on the line exactly. if someone else yeah. goes yeah. down. Yeah,
2: and, and and he's right, you know. They did do a good job in that in that circumstance, but because of you know that shuffling, I think there was also additional, you know, we had uh, McCray, you know, accrued a hold, and, and you had Demetrius Harris get flagged for a hold, and, and Njoku was flagged for a hold, even though it was called on Harris, but it was pretty clear that it was Njoku. I mean, everybody, the collective effort to try to create space to run the football or just to try to gain yards uh, was, you know, it... it Drew a lot of penalties and ended up putting the Browns behind the sticks. And then from that point, you know, there are some situations, and they talked about this after the game yesterday. There are some, you can overcome that sometimes. You can overcome first and 10, or I mean, first and 15, first and 20, first and 25 sometimes, but you can't do it every time. And it seemed like every time they were always behind the sticks, behind schedule, and it doomed them offensively. All right.
0: Your next takeaway, in other words, what we like to call third down takeaway from Sunday, Gribble?
1: You know, I just, I mean, have we talked about penalties enough? Because uh, this sure. is, it's just it that you can't win. My, my biggest number is not the 18. That's not my biggest number. The number is the number 13, which is the difference in the number of penalties that you had compared to the Tennessee Titans. When you have that lack of discipline compared to a team that had the extreme opposite end of that, Only five penalties in a game where we know there's a lot of penalties usually called week one. Freddie Kitchens reminded us of that Friday. You know, there's some games where you might, uh, like the Colts preseason game, both teams committed a lot of penalties. You ultimately won that game because it was affecting both sides. But when you commit that many penalties for that many yards and the other team isn't, I mean, it's, it's truly impossible to win. And a miracle that you were in the game in the third quarter.
2: Yeah, you know, you want to go with the number. It's another another one that's related to that that Freddie Kitchens mentioned today, which was 45. 45 yards awarded to the Tennessee Titans on one offensive possession that resulted in their first touchdown of the day by way of Brown's defensive penalties. Three times in that drive, it was third in a, in a variety of distances. Third and 14, uh, third and four, and I think third and six. Uh, third and 14, they got a new... Sp- uh, fresh set of downs because Demarius Randall was maybe a half second early and he was called for a hold, which doesn't really make sense. But either way, it would have been a pass interference. We understand what was called there. That was a fresh set of downs. Uh, you, saw, you got another one where Sheldon Richardson was flagged for roughing the passer. And if he hadn't been flagged on that, Denzel Ward was flagged for defensive holding in the, in the secondary Correct. on that play. And then there was a third and four where you jumped off sides and gave another fresh set of downs. You gave them essentially half the field. They started on their own 13. So, you know, you got to go 87 yards. Uh, more than half of those yards were gained by penalty. You're not going to win a game that way. You're just not, especially if that stretches over the rest of the game, which it did for the most part for this team. So, I mean, we can harp on this all day, and it might sound like we're a broken record at this point, but it really was the biggest point of the game. You commit those penalties, you put yourself in a position to lose.
0: I just look at it. You didn't have a great day yesterday on the football field. You didn't play your best game. I understand. It's going to happen sometimes it the timing was terrible yeah. for that yeah. especially with all the hype and all the excitement it didn't go your way yet as you went to the fourth quarter you still had a chance to win the football game you were technically still in the football game i cannot and and will not tolerate being outclassed on the football field the penalties and and all of that the personal fouls and just the stupid mistakes being made on the football field. That that has got to stop, and it's got to stop quick. And that, that's one thing that last night I, I was most mad about going to bed because I'm like, I don't – the re- team record is, is 21 in a game in 1951. 18 is number two in the terms of number of penalties in a game. You technically had 20 penalties. Two of them got declined.
1: Yeah. And I, I, didn't, and I, and I left not feeling good about what I saw in the fourth quarter, just in general. Yeah. That to me, the, the kind of, I wouldn't say the white flag type thing, but when the game gets out of hand like that, the last time I saw the team play like that was Week Six against the Chargers last year. Yeah. Like that just didn't, that didn't rub me the right way. I don't think it, it the players have to, can feel good about letting that score get as out of hand as it did. I, it, you can't I feel think good about that. We
0: can all agree with the Chargers are a lot better team than the Titans, I think the with Titan- all due respect yeah, to the Titans. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think the Titans are, are a borderline playoff team. They might end up in the playoffs this year with the way that the AFC South might shake out, but I, it's something that, look, we spent the last weeks of the regular season and the off season and the the weeks before this season talking about how, man, it would have been really nice if there could have been a week 18 last year because everything was rolling. would have been really nice if we could have kept playing last year, and they obviously couldn't because they didn't make the playoffs. Well, this is not how you take advantage of your first opportunity to play in 2019. This is just, I mean, and and on the flip side of all of that, again, like you said, for basically three quarters they were in it, despite all of the mistakes. It was a bad game, and you looked yes. at the
0: scoreboard, and you're like, all right. Well, I mean, if if they flip on a switch here.
2: And it looked like they were. Yeah. And then they had the wind sucked right out of the stadium by, you know, that, that Derrick Henry screen pass. So, again... And that's a, I think that's a case of being a little over aggressive because how many times do we see the Titans run a naked boot with Marcus Mariota booting away from where the blitz is usually coming? The blitz would come to the strong side and they'd roll out and he'd find you know somebody to throw to or he'd run for a few yards or whatever it was. How many times do they do that and then finally they, go, they run that same play and they, make a, they run a throwback screen across the field because they know that they've done it so many times that the Browns, fresh off a touchdown, would be ready to go and try and get a sack and get the ball back and go score again they hit him right in their weakest spot at the perfect time.
0: Do we award game balls after a win or after a loss? I don't, don't love doing
1: ball. it. Okay. I, I, you might. You can, can maybe can, reward can it. Yeah, you can reward it. Yeah, uh, you can. What? What? I, I,
0: I will say, despite his maybe his right-handed jab, Miles Garrett was all over the field even in the fourth quarter of that game yesterday. Yeah. I thought that Miles. I thought Miles played. You know. I'm, he, he was all over the place, and I, I you can't question his motor after yeah, yesterday. Yeah, they they clearly and
1: schemed to take him out of the game, yeah. uh, and he was taken out of the game for a good chunk of it. He got a sack when he was also held on a play, which was was impressive in its own right. And then he got kind of a the the sack kind of reminded me of the, the one that Michael Strahan did that yeah, one year to the break the record. Sack, the, yeah. the sliding sure, uh, it was yep. you know not the biggest sack, but you, you'll take it. But you didn't. You didn't take advantage of the mismatch that you had enough Correct. to win that game. You yeah. didn't dominate their offensive line the way you should have with them missing two starters.
0: I was gonna say not just one, but then See. ninety minutes before kick, you find out that you're that, that they're gonna be down two guys, and yeah. it didn't
2: even look like it for most of the not game. Not at all. Now I will say that they there were many instances, and this is partially credited to Marcus Mariota and his ability to get both evade the rush and get rid of the football, where they were this close. They were about to get home, and he, at the last second, he'd get the ball out, or he'd scramble, or he'd make a guy miss. I mean, a lot of that credit goes to a guy like Miles Garrett. Olivier Vernon was there a lot of times. Larry Ogunjobe got in there for a sack on one play, but made the best player on the defensive line, even though with Miles sacks, I thought it was Sheldon Richardson. And now he got flagged for that roughing the passer, which ended up helping them s- uh, set up that touchdown. But there were some plays in that game where I was just like, man, this guy is a monster. I mean, he, he gets penetration. He's, he hustles, which uh, I guess that was somewhat of an issue in his past, according to some people. Uh, not an issue here. Uh, no. There was a play on third down, I think it was early in the th- or midway through the third quarter, where Sheldon uh, pressured Mariota by driving his opponent into the chest of Mariota, and he at the last second got the ball out to Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis makes a guy miss, gets about three yards upfield. Guess who he's tackled by? Sheldon Richardson from behind, who had doubled back about close to 10 yards to make a tackle of a guy who's much faster than him. His effort was there from start to finish, or pretty much from start to finish until the game got out of hand. Uh, And you hope that they can carry that kind of play over uh, next week into New York, especially a place where Richardson's got some history.
0: All right, so we're going to put to bed the Sunday loss to the Tennessee Titans. We're moving forward to the New York Jets. We'll give a quick little scouting report on them coming up here in just a minute. But around the AFC North, uh, an interesting Sunday gentlemen and it starts with the baltimore ravens putting a 59 spot up on you thought the browns had a good or or a bad day uh you could have been the miami dolphins who put up 10 and supposedly everybody's calling their agents asking for a trade out if you talk to certain national media pundits Uh,
2: i mean miami is the 2016 17 browns right they're the ones who pretty clearly demonstrated that they're willing to sell off current assets in exchange for future assets uh, in an attempt to rebuild quickly but that rebuild is not now so they're they're going to run into issues like that and I think the Ravens got an ideal matchup on the road against this Miami team in week one and took advantage of it with Lamar Jackson and and getting him confident in the passing game and and, and it was it made for a route and plenty of highlights and a lot of hype but this is again overreaction week one so you know we'll see how it plays talk to me in three weeks we'll see where where they're at but a great start for them for sure it could have
1: been worse too I mean RG3 threw a touchdown pass in this game I mean, it was they—they they pulled their guys really early, and it looked like a a college game with the the number one team versus one of those non conference ringers that they bring in. Uh, it, it's one of those things that we can we can uh, empathize with the people who work within the Miami Dolphins organization. If there's a uh, the best podcast available Miami <coughs> edition, I'm sure they're having a very tough time talking about this because they know the best fin available. They know that this is not the only time this is going to happen, and I think that. You know, we, when we look back at those 2016, 17 years, it's always one thing to have a plan on paper and be like, we're going to acquire these assets. But then once you live it, that's where it gets really tough. The living the week in, week out of losing in the NFL is so painful. Uh, so, yeah, I, I feel bad for the Dolphins because uh, the difference between us and them, you know, very much hopefully, is that we, ho- we expect to never see what happened week one again. And they, I don't know if they can say the same.
0: Seattle, Cincinnati. Bengals with a pretty solid effort on the uh, on the road in Seattle. They come up short, twenty-one to twenty. Andy Dalton, four hundred eighteen yards passing, two touchdowns, but non-existent running game.
1: Now, Mixon's hurt. Yeah. So it's a spunky offense, new offense that they've got. John Ross back in his comfort zone looks like they. Had a, they I think a lot of they, they are the ultimate nobody believes in us team right now because no one believes in them at all, uh, and I think that they're not. I still think they'll finish last in the AFC North, but I don't think they're going to be some kind of bottom dweller. I mean, they still got guys and their season last year was ruined by injuries. I mean, they were a four and one team last year. There's some talented players there. They're going to lose more games than they win, but they're not going to be some team you just show up and beat.
2: Yeah. I think they're, they don't get any help with AJ Green's injury that he suffered during camp, but I think they played maybe above their heads in the road in week one, you know, inspired football, new head coach, new era about a lot of young hungry guys, but they've got some talent on that team and, and I think that you'll see them be very competitive in a lot of games. They'll probably have a lot of close losses, but this is not going to be some 3-13 and or maybe 4-12 and team. And it's going to make for a strong AFC North top to bottom because if that's projected to be your worst team in your division, I mean, that, that's a pretty strong division. And it's going to be good competition for us throughout the year, especially in the back half of the schedule.
0: Why can't they all be bad? Why can't we just be good everybody else be bad? Well,
1: look we at the records. Only one record. team won yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's 1-0 and, oh and 3 and yeah. on ones
0: Interesting. To so say. it could have been worse. And what do you make, Shook, I'll start with you. What do you make of Pittsburgh last night? 33-3 to, you know, to New England.
2: You know, in this off season, I thought a lot of people may be over – and this is not an overreaction to week one, but just my – this has been my opinion for a while. I think people were over-projecting the, the Steelers slightly – Because when you get used to a team that's a competitive team that's expected to win its division or at least contend for its division on a year-in, year-out basis, and you have the same quarterback installed and the same head coach and some of the same pieces elsewhere, you would imagine that, well, yeah, then they should probably still flirt with 10, 11 wins a year. But I'm not sure if they can replace what they lost uh, in terms of skill, whether it was Antonio Brown. And obviously they didn't have Le'Veon Bell last year and it didn't really hurt them that much. But they also got uh, great production from guys like James Conner and even Jalen Samuels afterward because it started with their offensive line, which most of those guys are still intact. But there are just, I think, some losses across the board and, and still some weaknesses in their defensive secondary that they have not been able to weather and have, have been problems for them for a couple of years now, and I think that's going to bite them more than they realize because they don't have that same ability to then match that team offensively. Yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster is a, a really good receiver with a lot of potential, but he's not... A, he's not Antonio Brown. B, he's not lined up across Antonio Brown. So I think that their offense has taken a step back. I mean, look, they put three points in the, on the Patriots last night and gave up 33. I mean, and it's not, like I said, it's not an overreaction, but I just think that they're not going to be as good as people anticipate. This is a tough test in week one. I don't think it's exactly the, what we should expect from them for the year, but I also don't think we should expect them to win 11, 12 games like some people are.
1: Tricky game next week for them. They play the Seahawks. That's that's a that's a tough one at home the next week and I I just think my this is the blanket easiest takeaway they missed Antonio Brown I mean that 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 guy yeah. opened up the offense and I I've been telling anyone that listens Ben Roethlisberger was a really good quarterback before Antonio Brown got there yeah he wasn't this fantasy football superstar until Antonio Brown got there they won games grinding him out running the ball he'd throw for about two hundred yards he'd run for a little bit and then Antonio Brown got there and they took that offense to another level he's thrown for 350 yards plus a game and i just i think that that is a guy that helped them out so much opened everything up and you can take away Le'Veon on Bell and still have the success but taking away two of those guys is asking a lot and i just we'll see if this plays out i think Juju's really good but i don't know if i like much else at that wide receiver position
0: and play. i would say this uh, is the tape out on Connor I mean, 21 yeah. yards rushing last night, and I know that they were down and they had to make up a lot of ground yeah. through the air. But um, I'll say the Patriots'
1: defense is really good. Yeah,
0: a lot better maybe than the rest of us all thought. That's the I mean, thing.
2: We, we know that they're good, but they have that extra gear. That's yeah. that's the thing about the New England system too. Is they are good at plugging and playing. They let a guy go get big money elsewhere, not play as well as he did in New England because it's more system based than anything. And and usually those types of Uh, of franchises, organizations, and programs that are established tend to win games earlier in the season. I mean, let's think about how they started the season last year. It was a shootout loss to the Chiefs. But the Chiefs ended up being the second-best team in the AFC that year. I don't think the Steelers are going to be the second-best team in the AFC this year. Taking a look at
0: next week's opponent, then. that's a look around the AFC North. We get the New York Football Jets next Monday night, and we will preview that game later on this week. But you take a look at their effort – Uh, Buffalo turns the ball over four times for three quarters. Doesn't even look like they deserve to be on an NFL field. And then they show up and they end up beating the Jets 17 to 16. Le'Veon Bell, a pedestrian-type effort uh, after all the time he missed last year. And uh, that's a Jets team that's probably going back to the drawing board today a lot maybe like we are, trying to figure out – I mean, they blew their lead. We, you know, we struggled all day yesterday, but – they they blew a 16 to nothing lead in the fourth quarter.
2: Well, I, I think the Bills' performance is a lot like how the Browns' performance could have been had they continued in the momentum that they were putting together at the end of the third quarter. So this game's weird. This, this league is weird because you do have four quarters to play, and oftentimes you can have something. Mean, we've seen this here a lot in the last few years. You can have something going very well for maybe two quarters, two-and-a-half quarters, and then it all falls apart and you lose by multiple scores or you lose by a point uh, in that situation. But you have to give credit. This, nobody's given anybody Buffalo's defense—they uh, ne- haven't given Buffalo's defense any credit in the last probably year and a half. They've done a really good job of assembling a no-name but very strong defense. It starts with guys like linebacker Matt Milano. It extends outward. Uh, their secondary is solid, and their defensive line I think is better than people realize as well. And that was the main reason why they were able to come back, because it kept them in the game.
1: The Jets only scored—offense only scored eight points that so they their offense didn't do much of anything that entire Correct. game a really uninspiring uh last chance drive they get the ball two minutes left in the game and uh they get they need four downs to get the first 10 yards they had to go for it on fourth and one and have levion ball run for exactly one yard and then four straight incompletions to end the game i mean that, that's just you, that you usually get something better than that on your last drive and they they just they didn't have it offensively and. It's one of those things where Greg Williams was familiar with it last year. His defense finished plus three in turnovers, and he lose the game. That was that was the theme of the Browns a lot at the beginning of last year, and those are numbers where you just shouldn't lose the game, and they still found a way to lose.
2: This a year after Sam Darnold had led one of the uh, most thrilling comebacks of his young career for the Jets in Buffalo, couldn't do the same thing against them this time around.
0: It will be interesting to see desperation how, game how week this two. Week, uh, yeah, and we're not just talking for the Browns. Uh, but for the Jets as well. So I think if there's one thing that uh, fans may have learned over the last 48 hours, uh, do not take anybody for granted, especially uh, an opponent that you think you might be better than. On paper, that might be the case. Got to see how this one plays out, and the Browns have a lot of a lot of work to do here bef- between now and next Monday. All right, we'll wrap things up. We're back with you on Thursday late day to preview uh, this one as the Browns will get ready to take on uh, the New York Jets on Monday Night Football. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. Make sure you log on and subscribe to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. For the two gentlemen I just mentioned, I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available.